I'm sorry, but how can one possibly pay attention to a book with no pictures in it? He was slinging pawns at a B&B when he had an epiphany. And make a part in about time too about not playing the and It was free to all and I heard him say he bought my borderlands. But just sit back and let Spencer do his trick cause you're incapable A-A-M's. Hello and welcome to Keep Off The Borderlands, a podcast about RPGs and stuff. My name's Spencer, aka Free Thrall, and in this episode I'll be looking at some purchases that I've made throughout the year and answering the question, when is a review not a review? But before all that, let's have some calls. Hey Spencer, Jason here. Enjoy the latest episode. You know, I've also run against the idea that with excellent but a little bit lengthy intros and outros from TJ, sometimes if I'm doing a shorter episode, they don't quite fit because your intro and outro end up being as long as the episode. So what I've done for my shorter episodes is just not played those intros and outros. That may be an option for you, may not, I don't know, but that's kind of the direction I've gone. Um, so hopefully that'll help. I know you're not going to split your feed and that's, I was, would have recommended not to do that. I don't think there's any real big issue with putting out different types of episode on the same feed, to be honest. I know Andy felt the need to split his actual plays from his dialogue episode or not dialogue, but his, you know, regular episodes, whatever we want to call them. But I, I don't know if that's really needed. If you note that know what they are in the title and i think people will figure it out i I think our listeners are pretty savvy anyhow i'll talk to you later thank you jason jason of nerds rpg variety cast and you may have noticed i have tightened things up a little bit at the beginning and the end there and i'm quite happy with that at the moment although the between the borders idea is still on the table but there's no need to worry about me splitting the feed or anything like that. Thank you very much for your call. Hey Spencer, Merck the Meek. I guess I'll stick with that since Michael <laughs> Chicago is, has been uh, doing this a lot longer than I have. So I am Merck. Um, whatever podcast format you got, I'll take it. I'm sure it'll be fine. I'm sure it'll be good. And I guess the last thing is the the curse of Ganshoger, or however you say it. It does seem pretty interesting. I took another look. Um, I I haven't like really sat down to read it in full, but um, with all my obsession lately with Mouse Ritter, it I'm wondering how uh, how much it'll fit in there setting wise. I can't tell if everyone is human size even though they're birds or if they're still bird sized in a human sized world or or whatever but it does seem interesting i couldn't find a lot of details about the avian kingdom online yet um i don't know if you have or not but 
Uh, I'll be curious to see where that leads. And I should probably check out Errant again, uh, try to take some procedures from there. So thanks again for the episode. Take care. Hey, Michael. Mark Lameek there, who just released a very cool episode where he interviewed his daughter about her gaming preferences. Hey, don't you be worrying about the name. I can cope with as many Michaels as you can throw at me. I think the curse of uh, Ganshugger would work great with Mouse Ritter, actually. That thought had occurred to me, and I'm sure it wouldn't take too much tweaking. As for the Avian Kingdom, I don't think there's any information out there just yet beyond it being mentioned on the drive-thru page, I think it was. But yeah, no real details about that at all. Just a passing mention. Anyway, thank you very much for your message, Mark. Hey, Spencer. Good to hear you again. And I think that um, I might have to pick up that, uh, what did you call it? The Curse of the Gashogger because it's going to fall in with my duck-themed The Eternal Story of Ducks from Prehistory to the End of Time. Pretty good good find. I love that you always drop things and what people do, and it always makes me go searching on drive-thru or itch.io. So thank you for that. So it's cool to have Mike go on and talk about uh, Traveler. I was introduced to Traveler back in the 80s, and as I'm trying to look at my little timeline here, right? So like Mike said, classic travelers from 77. And then I got introduced in the eighties and I saw the like mega traveler at a gaming store. And I was like, this looks really cool. There's like a box set of three books. And then, um, yeah, you know, it was, it was pretty neat. And I played that and I played some traveler in college. Um, the person who was running didn't like the meta game of mega traveler, but I liked, I like kind of what they did with skills and that kind of thing, which is pretty neat, which they recapitulated in 2300 AD. Um, I like, in a, in a way, 2300 AD uses like a D10 plus uh, stats, attributes, whatever, whereas Traveler uses a 2D6 or in the GURPS Traveler, 3D6, obviously. Uh, there's also a Traveler D20, which I thought was pretty good, but unfortunately that line sort of ended. It was kind of based off a, a little bit of Saga Star Wars and d20 modern but i really liked kind of what it did um and it worked pretty well some people were like oh it's not gonna be as deadly as traveler but it's kind of deadly um when people messed around so uh and i i don't know i played traveler the new era when they switched over from the mega traveler system and it got went to gdw so i played Traveler for a long time i guess but uh, i've always enjoyed it i've always enjoyed the third imperium um and that verse i think uh yeah, I think it's very rich. You could do a lot. And I kind of like that classic, uh, that golden age of sci-fi vibe that they have. I know Mongoose has tried to modernize it and throw in cybernetics. And that's kind of not so much Traveler. And of course, there's the way they do things like ro- ro- robotics is prescribed. Psionics has been suppressed. So, you know, um, it kind of makes for a neat, uh, a neat uh, thing. So anyway, I was going to say, uh, I keep getting these pop-ups from texts, and it's distracting. Sorry. So anyway, yeah, great stuff from Michael. I, I love that he's doing Battlestar Galactic with Classic Traveler. I do want to say 
in this brief time I have, that Mega Traveler, in one of their books, I think the Rough Race Companion, they did have a way to sort of generic genericify, to make generic uh, Traveler. So they had like a tech level chart and said, okay, you want to put your game sci-fi-ish in this era, and this is kind of our paradigm of how uh, tech develops. So you could pick a tech level, and then you'd have certain technologies. They had technologies that were beyond the Imperium and below the Imperium. There was always challenge magazines that had, okay, if you want to play Traveler sort of in a medieval setting, here's kind of the, the parameter. So, you know, they did have it. It wasn't as clear-cut with, you know, the uh, setting detached from the um, the rules, like in Classic, but it did sort of give you an option. So I think that was pretty cool. They always had that uh, in mind. And I do like that with the OGL, Cepheus OGL, you have Traveler where you could, uh, the Traveler rule system you can do in the Old West in a medieval setting, in a fantasy D&D-like setting. So, so I think it's, it's pretty cool. It's like uh, whatever you want to, however you want to modify your 2D6 plus, plus DM, you know, plus die modifier. So pretty neat, uh, good stuff. And I will talk to you soon. Thank you, Carl. Carl Rodriguez of the Geomologist Presents. It's always nice to hear that I'm bringing stuff to folks' attention that they may have otherwise missed. I love that you're running a duck-centric campaign. The eternal story of ducks, was it? Um, awesome. I'm sure the curse of Gan Sugar will be perfect for that. And uh, yeah, there you go, dropping more travel and knowledge again. I'm really going to have to take another look at the classic system and the Cepheus stuff. I've got PDFs of both and um, quite a few of the Cepheus spin-off things. Um, but thanks for your message, Carl. Cheers. Well, they say never judge a book by its cover, but what do they know? Because that's exactly what I'm going to be doing here. Primarily because I've picked up a bunch of great looking books this year, and because I'm such a shamelessly undisciplined person, I've yet to read any of them. Yep, that's the kind of ship I'm running here. I hope you're wearing your life preserver. I know some folks can take or leave art in their RPG books, but for me, art is a big pull. To the extent that I've been umming and ahhing over picking up Free League's Dragonbane. Do I really need another D20 fantasy system? No. But that art, that box set, between you and me, I may have dropped a hint or two. To big old daddy Christmas this year. So, fingers crossed. The man responsible for me umming and ahhing over yet another fantasy system is Swedish illustrator Johan Egerkrantz. He is the reason I didn't hesitate to snap up Versen as soon as I clapped eyes on it. Just gorgeous art. I even succumbed during Black Friday this year when I spotted Modifius were selling the Troubleshooters RPG at half price. 
a Eurocentric, retro, futuristic, 60s screwball spy caper type thing sounds like a great setting for pulpy adventures. But it's mainly that Hergé-esque, Franco-Japanese style art that really sold it to me. And a recommendation from Jason Connolly of Nerds RPG Variety Cast may have helped nudge me in that direction too. Another book I've yet to read, Reach of the Roach God, for a thousand thousand islands, the East Asian flavoured setting that's an absolutely stunning book, an incredible piece of work by ZX Xu and Munkeo, a real work of art that sadly may be the last time these two will collaborate, but who knows? Another art-heavy book that I picked up this year was Ultraviolet Grasslands, second edition. Now, I never actually owned the first edition, so I don't know how much has changed, but I do know that this thing is a real stunner. Written and illustrated by Luca Rayetz, with its evocative psychedelic science fantasy illustrations and equally flavorful text which i've barely scraped the surface of i'm ashamed to say then there's nave second edition with peter mullins art throughout you'll have seen his work in dungeon crawl classics i know he's done some stuff for swords and wizardry as well someone who's clearly very influenced by the work of errol otis I also think he might be doing the illustrations for the second edition of Can too, although don't quote me on that. Then we've got Mythic Bastion Land. Now, I know some folks weren't too crazy about the surrealist art deco-y line art style in Electric Bastion Land, but it certainly worked for me. That same artist, Alec Sorensen, has returned to work on Mythic Bastion Land, and I think the work here is on a whole nother level. They've embraced this kind of romantic blend of Art Nouveau and pre-Raphaelite fresco-y stained glass-esque type collage style. For those of you who may suspect I have no idea what I'm talking about here, you'd be absolutely correct in that assumption. There's just something fittingly epic about the imagery throughout. Of course, Cairn is by Yochai Gao, and Mythic Bastion Land is by Chris McDowell. So, what else deserves a mention? Ah, of course. What list of art-filled RPG books would be complete without the mention of a something bog? And that something bog is Pirate Bog. There's just something about the shift in aesthetic here that appeals to me in a way that Malt Bog, Merkbury, or however you want to say it, I kind of bounced off. The layout in this 
is just a bit more conventional and subsequently there appears to be a whole lot more of content packed in here. And uh, yeah, yeah, just really appeals to me. Published by Limithron and it appears to be available practically everywhere at the moment. Um, another book full of awesome illustrations is The Dungeon Dozen Volume 2 by Jason Schultes. Another 200 plus D12 random tables. And just like the first volume, this is all out gonzo goodness. Merck, you have been warned. And um, speaking of gonzo, I also picked up Monty Cook's The Weird. This is packed with even more random tables because, well, you can't have too many random tables, can you? Don't answer that. There's like 200 plus pages of D100 tables for introducing all kinds of weirdness into your games. Um, what's interesting here is how the weirdness is divided up. The different kinds of weird are set out with examples where they kind of escalate. It begins with interesting, a bright red cat, surprising, a talking cat, gonzo, a cat that coughs up tiny robot versions of itself, and whimsical, the cat song creates a bridge to the moon. Now, the weird is also split into genres. Fantasy, science fiction, modern, horror, fairy tale and myth, supers and post-apocalyptic. Some tables are genre specific. Some of them mix genres and others are just all kinds of weird. There seems to be a table for practically everything. There's some nice psychedelic art all through this book as well by well a couple of dozen different artists that I am not prepared to list here. Now, possibly the most potentially useful book, if I ever get around to using it, is Skirple's The Monster Overhaul. Packed with unique monsters, this is not just a bestiary. It's designed to be used at the table and is chock full of tools, encounter tables, prompts, names, motivations, maps, riddles and secrets. There's a bunch of indexes at the back listing monsters by height, utility, hit dice, dungeon level. This thing is just packed with ideas. Well, there you are. Just some of the books I've failed to read this year. And before I go, I'd just like to wish you all a Merry Christmas, Happy Kwanzaa, Los Posadas, Hanukkah, Tulsi Bujan, Iwas, or whatever else you might be celebrating at this time of year. Well, that's quite enough from me. Thank you very much for listening. I really appreciate all the messages I receive. 
If you'd like to contact me, you can leave an audio message via speakpipe.com slash keepofftheborderlands, or one word, or you can email me at spencer.freethrall at gmail.com. You can also find me in a variety of other places, as detailed in the show notes. If you enjoy the show, a review would certainly be much appreciated. Music for Keep Off the Borderlands is provided by the multi-talented Mr. TJ Drennan. And it just remains for me to say, take it away, TJ. Warning, if celebrating the sound of dice hitting the table and pondering the meaning of the many acronyms within your player's handbook doesn't cure that burning sensation, please see your doctor.